Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio. Thanks again to Yarrabug for another fantastic show. You're listening to 3CR coming from Melbourne. We're on Wurundjeri land and we pay our respects to Elders past and present as we broadcast from this stolen but sacred land. Today we're going to talk about coal. So people may have seen in the news today the fantastic news around fossil fuels that there has been the... uh, the rejection of the uh, continuation of the Dakota Access Pipeline in the United States came in, coming after a huge alliance of uh, Indigenous and First Nation activists coming together to oppose the project. This morning in Melbourne, we had a rally against the Adani coal mine. So the Carmichael coal mine up in Queensland is uh, slated to be one of the biggest in the world. And uh, to the last, or just over the weekend, we heard that the federal government are putting up to a billion dollars on the table to uh, to get the rail line and get that project up and going. So, with all that in mind, let's think globally, but uh, talk about how we're acting locally. And today, we're going to talk about the Latrobe Valley. So, the Latrobe Valley is the home to. Uh, all of the the remaining coal-fired power plants in Victoria. And coming up just after this short little uh, community message, we're going to chat to Kate Wacho, who is the Latrobe Valley community campaigner with Friends of the Earth. Uh, Hi, my name's Sarah. I love coming here because they offer vegan food. Hi, my name's Paul. This is my first time at Friends of the Earth. I think it's really awesome and the food's great, really healthy and nutritious. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op, 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. A tuneful experience. A 3CR supporter. Hello, Kate. Are you there? Hello, Kate. Oop, give me one moment. I'll just get her up. Strawberries, cherries, and an angel's kiss in spring. My summer wine is really made from all these things. We are so lucky at 3CR. All right, we might listen to that promo again in a second. Hello, Kate, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can this time. Sorry about that, everyone. Um, so welcome to Dirt Radio, Kate. Um, today we're going to talk about the Latrobe Valley. So there's been a lot going on down there in terms of uh, activity. Uh, we've seen the closure of the Hazelwood uh, power plant. I'm wondering the announcement you... so far. Yeah, well, the announcement so far, you're correct. Um, I was wondering if you could paint us a picture first, though, of what it's like down in the Latrobe Valley. I know you're at a farm nearby at the moment. Uh, I'm in Druin at the moment, which is one of the towns just outside of the valley. Sure. And so the Latrobe Valley, can you tell us a little bit about it? What does Morwell and the surrounding towns look like? What's the, what are the industries like? 
Uh, well, the towns are, um, they're still very country, like very country towns. Um, there's, there used to be quite a lot of industry and there still is. Um, so you have some manufacturing and also some retail outlets and uh, there is a lot of farming in the surrounding area. So you get those uh, farming equipment stores and those sorts of things. But um, due to privatisation, which occurred in the 90s, uh, there's also a lot of kind of empty storefronts because um, when because the privatisation, some of the listeners too might not be familiar with what happened. The, uh, the coal mines and the coal power stations used to be owned by the state government, uh, but then they got sold to private industry and a lot of jobs were lost. And so that did see a bit of a downturn in the economy of the local area. And that, you know, you can see that when you're in the town, but it is still a very nice place and um, it's very underrated. I, yeah, it's, uh, it can be quite beautiful. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, so it sounds like uh, there's a bit of a mixed economy there, which is kind of typical of mining towns. Um, it, would you say that's a fair assessment, where there, there's kind of uh, people the have-nots and the haves? Yeah, I mean, the economy is primarily dominated by the, um, I guess, the employment in the coal industry. Uh, and there's also uh, a paper mill, which is another of the big employers. And uh, there are some, there are other industries in the area, but those are definitely the primary ones. Sure. So, with the announcement of uh, the closure of Hazelwood to come, uh, what what was the community reaction down there? Uh, it was very. Um, I guess there was a lot of tension in the community leading up to that announcement because uh, we didn't know what was going to happen and we didn't know when it was going to happen. There was silence, uh, a lot of silence from the government and from Engie, who owns the Hazelwood Power Station. And uh, so there was a lot of, like, conflicting opinion and um, people weren't sure what to do. So, I mean, it sounds like a pretty simple thing. Oh, you you don't know if a station's going to close. But on a personal level, that means some people don't know if they should be looking for other jobs. They don't know if they should be looking for, you know, somewhere else to get a job and raise their kids. So it's got this very personal impact, and that does come through... You can, you can feel that when you're in a room with people, that people are very tense. They don't know what's going to happen. And so now that the announcement has been made, um, at least people know, you know what's going to happen. There is certainty. But there also is, you know, some people see it as an opportunity, which is great. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity uh, in this situation. But there are uh, also feelings of betrayal that, you know, the government didn't tell us beforehand what was going to happen and that, you know, NG, they made this, you know, decision and they've only given five months notice to the workers and so you know the community definitely deserves better than that so mm. very mixed emotions yeah sure and and understandably i mean for many of our listeners will be familiar with the long-running campaigns to to shut days hazelwood down to replace it with uh renewable energy and manufacturing and other things so these campaigns have been going on for a long time several times we've seen that hazelwood has been about to shut why do you think it is that the government hasn't shown any leadership and really laid down a plan to um, to gradually phase out these coal fire plants? Well, the fossil fuel industry is a very powerful one in Australia and uh, there's a lot of divisive politics about it. Um, so I don't know what, you know, specifically the reason is that, you know, the state government or the federal government hasn't decided to do something. Uh, but I do expect it has something to do with the, you know, financial power of that industry 
as well as, I guess, the, the traditional power of it. Um, because, of course, there's so much economic opportunity in the renewable industry. So, you know, you'd think that the government would get on board with that. But I guess, you know, the, mine, the mining lobby has been there for so long that, you know, they already have their interests in the government. So it's kind of a complicated situation, but with very powerful players. Mm. And, and they kind of had their power on show. I mean, after the, all those community campaigns, I think really what 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 actually caused Hazelwood to, uh, well, NG to announce the closure? What sort of factors contributed to it? NG, um, when they announced the closure, they said that it's because they want to get out of fossil fuels. Uh, so that was just a you know decision from the company. Um, they based that on the market that there's just, it's not, you know, looking forward, there's, you know, more money in renewables. And so that's what this, the company is going to do. Mm. Yeah, so the local groups down there that you've been working with, um, can you tell us a little bit about um, about what the community is like down there and what sort of uh, how you've been received in the community? Yeah, well, I've um, been with one of the groups, most uh, of the Valley, uh, amongst some others, and um, this was a group that was formed during the Hazelwood Mine Fire. Uh, they formed to you know, demand more of a response from the government who was very hands-off when this disaster was unfolding. And, you know, you had a community that was suffering and they weren't getting the help they needed. And so Voices of the Valley formed uh, around that issue. And then, you know, once the mine fire finished and once the increase had, uh, into the mine fire had finished, they were looking at what the community needed and what it needs is a transition plan. So that's what they're working on. And um, amongst the, the general community, uh, it, there's a quite a di- diverse range of opinions. Um, you get uh, there are some groups like you know, the Latrobe Valley Sustainability Group, who are you know, very environmental, which is great, and uh, you know they're really looking forward to what's going to happen in regards to you know, global policy around fossil fuels and how you know we can take you know what the response is going to be in the market for Latrobe Valley. Uh, And then you also get some kind of political views on the other end of the spectrum um, who are more pro-coal and they would like a new mine and that sort of thing. And uh, so you've kind of got all of this very wide range of opinion and it's all in a couple of towns in a very small area. Sure. So your role down there, um, what do you see that as? I see this as um, helping the community you know, do what they need to do. Um, there's so much work that needs to be done that anything that we can do to help is really important. And so I'm not here with a campaign or with a big campaign goal because there's been way too many people coming into the valley and telling the community what it needs to do or, you know, trying to own this space. And, you know, that's not where the change needs to happen. It has to come from the community. So really, I'm just trying to help out you know, in any ways that I can and any ways that people ask me to. Sure. And we've just come off the back of a, a really strong um, community-led campaign through the unconventional gas and onshore gas mining campaign, which saw Victoria get a fracking ban. Do you see um, that style of campaigning playing an important role or is this a different battle altogether? I think this is a different battle altogether because uh, the campaign to stop the um, unconventional gas industry in Victoria, that is an industry that, you know, uh, onshore gas, sorry, um, that wasn't in Victoria. 
uh, we didn't have onshore gas. Uh, and so that was preventing something from happening. Whilst in Lato Valley, there's a very long history of these power stations uh, and coal mines. And so it's a very different, um, you know, history as well as the people who are involved. And while, you know, the onshore gas campaign was fantastic, uh, you know, awesome job to everyone who was involved. Um, and yeah, if there are elements from that that would help this issue, then great, we'll be happy to use that. But, uh, yeah, at the moment, they are very kind of separate issues. Mm, absolutely. So you touched on before this idea of a transition plan, and I know a lot of the campaign, a lot of the language around the campaign uses this term um, just transition. I was wondering um, if you were to be able to um, explain to some of our listeners what a just transition actually means and unpack it a little bit to say what it would look like. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll start with saying what a transition is. Um, an economic transition is basically when an economy changes. And that can be good or bad. It's just transitioning. So when the privatisation did happen, uh, that was a transition. It was just a very bad one, and it hurt the community. So this is where we have the term just transition, which is where an economic transition happens, but it's based on social justice, and it is, it's beneficial to the community, which means it's, you know, it's an entirely different thing to just any transition, which is the economy responding to the market. And so in Latour Valley, what we really need is a just transition, um, you know, because, you know, by the, uh, the market and, uh, you know, company decisions, the coal mines are closing. It, well, one has been announced to close and it looks like the others may as well at some stage. Uh, there is potential for a bad transition to happen. So we could have these big companies just, you know, closing their stations and moving their business elsewhere and then there aren't any jobs and people leave the valley to search for jobs. And so but then you've got the people who can't leave the valley are kind of stuck there. And so we do have uh, a very high unemployment rate in the valley. And so you could have a community which is kind of abandoned by industry and by government. And so that would be, you know, a bad situation. So this is where we're trying to have a proactive and positive transition. And so this is we're going to have to have uh, a lot of different people involved in making this just transition happen. So it has to be community-led because you know the community needs to determine its future and have its voice heard. But we also need uh, you know industry getting on board and different government levels. So we've got local councils, state government, and federal government because they can you know leave a policy mechanisms which can enable just transition. And so, and then we also have uh, environmental and social groups like Friends of the Earth who can really help um, a just transition happen by you know, giving a voice to people like from the valley to people in Melbourne who might not otherwise hear the issue in sort of the complexity it deserves. Like, it's not just a coal town. This is a really complex community who has a future and has an idea for that future. But we need that communicated to you know, people around the uh, around Victoria so that they can get on board and you know volunteer and help do the work that needs to be done. Mm, absolutely, I mean, in in a kind of uh, in a micro scale, it almost sounds like uh, you know uh, the Naomi Klein book. This changes everything, and the uh, the quote from that, you know, to change everything, we need everybody. It sounds like we really need to build a broad based coalition of groups to to be part of this. Like, a, so are unions um, involved in the movement at the moment? 
Yes, they are. Um, and I also, I was able, I was lucky enough to attend the uh, Australian Council of Trade Unions uh, big uh, meeting that they had in Canberra. And they were talking very proactively about the need for transition because in their jobs, they can see that this is happening. And so in order to you know, ensure that people know, you know the future of what their job is and also what's going to happen to them if that job is, you know, doesn't exist anymore, uh, we need to have a job transition. Mm. And so, yes, there are, like, we, we do need a coalition of many different groups and the union are a really important one. Mm, absolutely. The... Um this is a. Uh, this sounds like a bold new idea to me. Um, have we seen this sort of um, just transition happen elsewhere around the world or in other industries in Australia? We've seen. Um, we've definitely seen transition happen, uh, but we haven't seen uh, the just transition of a coal-based community um, like that is complete yet. But there is the. Uh, sorry. There is the, um, the Anglesey coal mine that closed down, and this is a really powerful uh, community-based campaign that happened. And they're you know, building a really good future, and it looks like, at the moment, a just transition is happening, but it isn't finished yet. Mm, absolutely. So you alluded to Anglesey, and um, so with uh, Anglesey and Hazelwood, that's two down, and we have three, power station, uh, three coal-fired power stations left, that's correct? Sure. So um, each one of those, I was wondering if we could um, go through and you could just let us know, you know, is, is there any chance of each of those? So the, the Loy Yang A, I believe, is owned by AGL and they've planned to phase that one out? Well, um, they've actually uh, done some recent upgrades to this um, power station. And so it's looking like, uh, uh, sorry, also they yeah. are planning to sell it next year mm. uh, because... Uh, Part, part owners of them, well, I'm just speaking probably over Loyang A and B, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, there's some, like, interesting dif- differentiations, but um, basically the whole power station um, is planning to be sold, and so yeah, we're not really sure what's going to happen with that one, but because it is one of the, it, well, it is the most modern power station in the valley, uh, that one probably has a longer lifespan than Yamon, which is the other power station. Um, and we're not sure of what the, what the uh, future of Yamon is going to be. Mm, absolutely. It, sound, it sounds like the government is really leaving a lot of uncertainty in the air for the community. That's the problem when you leave this up to the market. Uh, the market doesn't protect communities. It, just, it responds to you know different economic factors. And then suddenly power station might close. And what happens to the community then? So this is why it's really important for the state government to you know, get a policy going, get a um, look at what the future is going to be for the energy grid and proactively lay out when are the other mines, when are the other mines and power stations going to close and then work with the community to prepare them for the job transition and the economic transition. That will inevitably happen. Mm. And today in the news as well, we saw that the uh, at the federal level the, there was a bit of a review of um, where Australia's um, carbon budget is heading. Um, the news wasn't good. We're um, not on a good trajectory even to meet our Paris uh, obligations. 
Um, what would you say to people who say that we don't have time for this sort of just transition and we have a climate emergency? I definitely agree that we have a climate emergency and the people at most risk of um, the disasters that would happen if we you know, get to that emergency, if the, uh, the climate tipping points do unfold, they are the frontline communities. And Latrobe Valley is a frontline community because of this. Uh, it's low socioeconomic status. It doesn't have you know, the, the support from the government, um, the federal government that it needs. And so we're trying to avert a climate emergency to protect these frontline communities as well as everyone else. But it doesn't make any sense to throw various communities under the bus to save others. We have to save you know, everyone. And we can do it. We have the ability to do it. But we need a really unified approach to listening to these communities and then helping them. And, and from the political spectrum, uh, is there support for this sort of uh, just transition? There's, uh, there's different statements of support, but it is, I guess, I mean, I perceive it as a bit inconsistent because uh, it isn't backed up by policy. Uh, it's great for people to say, yes, we believe in just transition and we believe in listening to communities, but put that into policy. I mean, that's what the government's there to do and that's what it should be doing is um, you know, creating a future for these communities that outlives the various political parties who are in power. So, you know, once there is, you know, policy in place that says um, that, you know, enables a just transition to happen to so Latrobe Valley and all communities in Australia, then, uh, then I'll be happy. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm wondering, uh, how is it? How can people actually get on board with this campaign and uh, and get together and stand with the valley? Um, my first point would be to follow uh, Voices of the Valley on Facebook. They have um, a group called Voices of the Valley, and they also have a page called Voices of the Valley News. Uh, so follow that and get educated. You know, see what's happening, and people from Melbourne can go to the valley and, you know, meet meet these people who are enacting this change. Um, go to community meetings and, you know, sit there and listen, you know. Don't go... I mean, questions are fantastic and sort of contributions, but it's way more important to listen at this point in time. Um, and, you know, get involved. There's, there's really no... Uh, there's no substitute for just, um, you know, rolling your sleeves up and saying, how can I help? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, is, would that be through the Quick Coal Collective uh, in Friends of the Earth that would get involved? Yeah, that's another one. Um, there's uh, different ways uh, you can get involved through Friends of the Earth. So, Quick Coal, but also uh, Yes to Renewables, who are doing a bit of work in the valley as well. So, it just um, you know, it depends on which angle someone's coming from. But, uh, yeah, that's a really good place to start. Excellent. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today on Dirt Radio, Kate, and uh, we hope to chat to you soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Keep up the good work. That was um, Kate Watcho, who is a Latrobe Valley community campaigner with Friends of the Earth joining us there. We're going to listen to a bit of a community announcement and we'll be back in a moment. Strawberries, cherries and an angel's kiss in spring. My summer wine is really made from all these things. We are so lucky at 3CR. Artisan winemaker extraordinaire Luke Lambert has given us some wine. 
to share with you. It's $15, folks. That's a major bargain. There's Shiraz, Chardonnay and Rosé, and you can drink it all summer long and toast 3CR. Call us on 9419 or you can go to the 3CR website and look for the 3CR shop. Cool, that sounds easy. So are we posting it out? No, you've got to come into the station. Just make sure you come in before the 23rd of December. Awesome. It's going to be perfect for those hot summer days. Strawberries, cherries and an angel's kisses free. Luke Lambert is a 3CR supporter. Um, let's party for a purpose this silly season and get some of that wine. It sounds delicious. Um, so thanks so much for joining us today on Dirt Radio. Um, just to reiterate, if you do want to get involved in the campaign to uh, see a just transition in the Latrobe Valley, you can head on to uh, Friends of the Earth on a Wednesday night at 6pm and join the Quit Coal Collective, or also join the Yes to Renewables team on Tuesdays at 6.15. They meet at Friends of the Earth, 312 Smith Street in Collingwood, and jump on our website, uh, melbourne.fo.org.au, and there's all sorts of petitions and climate activities that you can take to really start to uh, see a difference in this area. Thank you once again. Um, coming up next, we've got Black Block. Um, stay tuned to 3CR and have yourself a fantastic Monday. I'll see you soon. Catch you next time.